So why don't you lift your hands. Father, we thank you for tonight. And tonight, Lord, I just thank you for every person that's gathered here. I thank you for the angel of the Lord that's here. I thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to just rest upon what you want to do. Increase your power all across this room, Holy Spirit. Thank you for a childlike trust coming to this room as never before. Jesus, you said, unless you were converted like a child, you could not inherit the kingdom of God. So deliver us of being grown up in the kingdom of God, God. And we call forth the dreamers tonight. Those who would dream with you that say everything's possible with you. Teach us your ways. Father, without you, I can't do anything, but with you, I can do all things. Glorify your son in this room. Thank you, Lord, that we're stepping into uh, a new era as the calendar turns and a new season in the purposes of God. Amen. 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 So it's really interesting, probably for the last uh, eight or nine years, the Lord's given me some sort of thing coming into the new year, the new season. Uh, I, I don't think that God really operates in calendar years so much, but uh, more in seasons. So I call this more of a seasonal word. But the Lord started speaking to me about this next season on September 4th, which is a lot earlier. And he spoke up to me pretty much all the way up until Christmas. And uh, he had a lot to say. And uh, it's really interesting. Uh, I don't necessarily, I'm not usually looking for words. But I've learned that if you're a believer, he'll give you words. <laughs> he will tell you things to come, right? Doesn't say prophets. Doesn't say the five-fold ministry. He tells us things to come. So not only we can begin saying it, but one of the things I've learned to do is what, it, what in my mindset needs to shift to embrace what you're doing and what you're saying in my life for the next season. And uh, really, really important that um, you connect with people who are desiring or will encourage you in the things that God, uh, the places that God wants to take you. I was thinking about that story uh, yesterday. Uh, you got two guys in the nation of Israel who go spy out the land, and they're the only ones who say they can do it. And then the, the mindset of the others, the majority, that's another thing I've learned. Sometimes the majority is not always right in the body of Christ. <laughs> because what right is right. And I've learned, too, one of the biggest obstacles, and it's obviously we're not talking about anything goes beyond Scripture, but our understanding of Scripture, applying Scripture, God is delivering, and he has been for many years, the church of ignorance. And the problem is, uh, often the, the challenge is to embrace the truth that God is bringing forth in the earth is uh, a mindset that enjoys the place the people of God are camped out, or benefits by keeping people ignorant. 
why I said that, but it's true. So be, be around people or get around people who will encourage you and push you forward in the things of God. And the Lord is working on the people of God. There's a deep cry in the heart of God to deliver leaders from setting a standard that God never set. And we often set a standard for the people of God that is mediocre. You know, you know people don't like long services anymore. And, you know, like, you know, we got to do it nice so they can come and get them in and out. And, and it, is, it, is, it, is, uh, it is dumbing down the purposes of God for the people of God in the earth. Because we are, we are giving people milk when God wants to deliver them of eating milk and he wants to give them meat so they can go change the world. And we give them just enough of God where they feel good about coming to a place on a Sunday morning. And many people are comfortable with that. I'm just not comfortable with that. I'm just not comfortable with having... 10,000 people in a room, but no change in a city. And so the Lord is pushing us to upgrade. I'm not saying it anyway. I'm just saying I understand there's a lot of pressures, but a lot of those pressures are not from God. I remember one time I told God, I don't think anyone's going to show up for that. He goes, would you do it if I just asked you to do it? Yeah, I'd do whatever you asked me to do. That's good enough. I'm not saying numbers are not important, but effective numbers. Luke chronicles numbers. In the book of Acts, he talks about the growth of the church, but he also talks about the effect they had on society. So I don't know why I said all that. But I'm going to share, I don't know exactly everywhere where this is going to go, but I'm going to start sharing what I felt like the Lord began to speak to me in September of uh, 2019. Guys, are you recording back there? Just for the sake, let me put my glasses on. I have nice glasses. They do. They make me look more anointed. Are we recording back there? Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate it. He did my mic on the fly tonight. He, that guy is pretty brilliant. He's doing like worship, sound. I don't know, do you clean the bathrooms too? I mean... It's a lot of work tonight. 2020 is a season of divine order. That which is not birthed from heaven will crumble, and that which is birthed from the heart of God will accelerate and advance as never before. This is a season of joy and divine order in the body of Christ. I'll bring, I will begin to bring order in the leaders of my body. For many, I have showed great mercy, but they failed to repent, and I will expose ungodliness and cause that which I've built through them and many to crumble quickly. My great desire is that which my leaders are building to last for generations and for them to build with an eternal perspective. I'm releasing a cleansing in the body where that which is only birthed from heaven will stand, and a lifestyle of ungodliness will no longer be tolerated. I'm releasing a fresh baptism of purity and holiness so that my people will ascend the hill of the Lord with a pure heart and a clean heart. This is a season of purity and holiness being birthed in my people as never before. 
My desire is for wave after wave after wave after wave after wave after wave after wave of cleansing to come to the house of the Lord. The Lord says, it's been my great passion, it's been my great desire for the line of the tribe of Judah to roar in the United States. Not just, not just to, 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 to release a few sounds, not just to release a few things and to release a few outpourings and interventions and, and visitations, but it has been the positioning of my people that has kept back, says the Lord, the purposes of God. But yet I say now is beginning a new season for the body of Christ. There is a dividing line in the body of Christ taking place in the earth. A great dividing line even in the United States, says the Lord. A dividing line between pure and holy. The Lord says, I will no longer tolerate profane things from my pulpits. There is... A dividing line, says the Lord. There is a dividing line because I am jealous for my presence. I am jealous. I am jealous for my people to camp around. Not personalities, not ideas, not systems of men. But I'm jealous for my people to camp around the presence of the Lord. And the things of the Lord. And the word of the Lord. The Lord says the world is suffering because my people do not know my voice, nor do they know my presence. But I say there is a standard being raised up in this nation. I see the cries, says the Lord, of the remnant of people in the United States. I hear and I see the cries of the remnant people as they cry out for mercy. As they cry out for mercy. As they cry out for mercy. And the Lord says, I am not finished with this nation. And the remnant of my people in this nation and their prayers and my purpose will birth a new thing in this nation. A new thing that has not been seen or heard since the foundation of this nation. And I will once again awaken my bride in this nation for the purposes of God to be established as never before. And there's a door, says the Lord. There's a door opening to the people of God here. There's a door opening into my presence. There's a door opening into my presence. There's a door opening into my presence of purity, fire, and the beauty of the Lord. The Lord says the beauty of the Lord is my people's portion. And there is an apostolic standard being raised in the earth. An apostolic standard being raised in the earth. An apostolic standard being raised in the United States. So the Lord says to the people of the United States, press on towards the mark of the high calling. Blow past false measures of what it means to be successful. And herald the coming of my kingdom as never before. And there's coming, says the Lord, and beginning in this season, there's coming messengers from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And they'll come. They'll come to pulpits in America. They'll speak in parks. They'll speak in villages. They'll speak in big places and small places. And they will bring the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord will bring restructuring and divine order in the things of God. This will be a season of divine order in the things of God.
For John the Baptist, Matthew 3.11, I indeed baptize you with the water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than, than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And I looked at one of the definitions of fire, and it was passion of love, ardent affection. I've heard this many times from the Lord. He said to me, God desires a people not with the message, but a people who become the message. It's interesting when you, when you study Jesus' life in the Gospels, you realize he was not trying to have a healing ministry. He carried healing with him. He wasn't trying to be a prophet. He was a prophet. It touched everything he said. He spoke on multiple, multiple dimensions. He would just speak the words the Father spoke to him, and they were prophetic in nature because he became the message. Jesus' words again. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how, it can, be, how, how can it be salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. It's not sometimes that we haven't lacked good motives, but good motives and the wrong religious system just makes us all dead on the inside. You can have good motivation, wrong thinking, and you pervert what God wants to do in your life. You are the light of the world. Notice he didn't say you carry the light. He said you are the light. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Some translations say mountain. Literally, I believe that's the best translation. You are a mountain that cannot be hidden. You are a mountain that cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but a lampstand, and give, it gives light to all who are in the house. Gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And then, of course, John the Baptist. Love this. He was a lamp that was burning and was shining. He was a, that's Old Testament prophet. He was a lamp that was burning and was shining. Some things, often when the Lord speaks to me, words jump out to me. And that word, divine order, jumped out to me. An order was to give command or direction. I often ask myself this question, is one of my highest values as, as a disciple is to hear and to do the commands of the Lord. I find it's not that you don't earn things, but you actually have a house that he's building. When he talked in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, to me, one of Jesus's thousand greatest moments on the earth. I'm going to watch that. Holy Spirit Netflix. I can't imagine what that was like. 
He never went to any of the schools, but they heard what he said. He said, no one's ever taught like that. Lord Jesus. But he, he said, the wise man is building his house on the sand. The foolish, excuse me, no, wrong way. Wise man's building it on, on, the, on the rock. The foolish man's building it on the sand. I've been meditating on that one a while. Because both people are building. And what's interesting is you couldn't tell what they were building until the storm came. God is incredibly practical. You like you think you have like a lot of faith? He goes, go do this. You're like, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> I know. And he never wants you to be comfortable. That's part of false finishes. There's this thought, even in America, among people pursuing the things of God, well, when I get my ministry, or when I get my business, or when I fulfill that dream that God gave me, that somehow you're going to hit this cruise control thing. But if you don't, put the internal structure to live out that ministry or dream, it'll destroy you. That's what I've learned. It's interesting. Wise man, rock, foolish man, sand. And I thought the outside of those structures looks the same. And I applied an American Praise the Lord. What are, how you doing, brother? Weston, highly favored. Praise the Lord. <laughs> then you start talking about Donald Trump from the pulpit, and manifestation happens. <laughs> they stop with praise the Lord. Because <laughs> you discover what's behind that praise the Lord. I'm not saying he's good or bad. I voted for him, but... Um, and I believe he'll get reelected. But so it's live streaming. But we can use other examples. But you'll find out what's really in there. Because what you really believe is what you practice. And we 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 have learned. Not in a bad way. I mean, every, every, every community's got a culture. We've learned a subculture. But I've learned sometimes our proclamations are better than our actual beliefs. We believe God can do anything. We just don't plan on doing it. So it's one of our highest values as disciples to hear and to do the commands of God. Truth is not what is practiced, but is what, is what one really believes. It's really simple. Like, this is not, like, really, like, hard. I've learned. But you walk with the Lord, he'll make you look really intelligent. He really will. He is the smartest person around. And if you listen to him, He'll make you look brilliant. 
A genuine honor for the word is what positions us to hear the commands of the Lord. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he said, Ask and keep on asking. Ask and you will receive. Knock and the door will be open. And the Lord says there's a door opening for the people of God in this season. It's a door into the unknown. It's a door into the beauty of the Lord. It's a door into the deep things of God. For there's a deep, passionate cry in my heart, says the Lord, to reveal secret and hidden things, hidden before the foundation of the earth, so that the purposes of God could be birthed in this season. So that the purposes of God could be birthed in this season. So that the purposes of God could be birthed in this season. For there are things in the earth that do not happen unless it is first spoken. Spoken by my people and spoken by people who receive it. So open your heart and your mouth wide to the purposes of the Lord. I want to move my people beyond elementary things and into the deep things of God. To build their house on the sure foundation which is Jesus Christ. Did I not say I would build my church and the gates of hell would not prevail? Sotonomokoyo. And the Lord says for many of you, I'm breaking through every restriction. I'm breaking through every stronghold in your mind. I'm breaking you, thought, through, I'm breaking you through, through what you thought what was not possible. You said, I know the Lord spoke it, but I don't see a way it could be done. The Lord says, let it be like Mary to you. Let it be according to the word of the Lord tonight. Let it be according to the word of the Lord. Let it be according to that dream I gave you nine years ago. Let it be according to that prophecy I gave you seven years ago in California. Let it be according to that dream that you know, that you know, that you know was from me. Let it be according to the word over your son who is away and on drugs tonight. Let it be according to the word of the Lord over your spouse who is not serving the Lord. Let it be according to the word of the Lord over your finances. <laughs> He's very real. <laughs> Ooh, got really hot. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Some of you should laugh. You're very serious right now. (laughs) Whoo, got really hot. Sometimes dying to yourself can be lots of fun. I found that to be true. Surrender is the greatest place you can come into your life. And real self-control is allowing the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants. 
People are like, I think this is out of order. Nobody asked you, but... Um, <laughs> no, real, I, I'm serious, real Holy Spirit order is like, woo, whatever you want. <laughs> if you want me here in the next five hours, I'll be here in the next five hours. It's not American order. Years ago, I remember these guys told me, we're planning a church and we're going to call it Pentecost with order. I said, you're out of your mind. <laughs> if you want to be involved in a move of God that, is, that will not make you scary to your friends, you're not going to be involved in a move of God that is biblical. I'm serious. I know that bothers people. Lord. Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. If you think it's in the flesh, you're also in the flesh by judging everyone. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Whoa. Mm. Someone on my left here, you're, the Lord's just delivering you of depression. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> the Lord is serious about delivering people of depression. <laughs> He's very serious. Shabba boboshoko boyo. 
More, Lord. Mm. There's someone here tonight who just as you laugh, the Lord is delivering you of a childhood trauma. Whoa. Luke 1. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son in her old age, and she who was barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Literally, Luke 1.37 says, Not any word from God is void of being, uh, 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 is void of being impossible. And then she actually says, I'm a slave to the word of the Lord. I mean, you imagine, no more than 15 years old, I'm pregnant. There's a stigma for carrying the word of the Lord. Now, I'm not, I'm not looking like, I, I, like I, some people do. They really like, like people not liking them. I'm not interested in that. But I'm saying, when, like, like, I'm being persecuted. No, you're just not a nice person. <laughs> They're after me. It's not your skin color. You're not a good employee. <laughs> but when you really, it gets quiet when you say something, but it's true. Sometimes we'd rather be victims than look at ourselves. And here's the thing, if you're a believer, no one can stop the purposes of God in your life. They ain't promoting you. God will bring you somewhere else where they'll promote you to the top. And I have found if you are good at what you do, no one can stop you. A lot of black NFL stars get paid millions of dollars in America. Why? They're good at what they do. Moving right along. I've learned it's not information that delivers you. It's your ability to practice the revelation that you get that allows you to begin to walk in the purposes of God and open your eye to truth. And I believe this next season coming, there is such a spirit of wisdom and revelation that God wants to give the people of God to give them unique ways to do things, unique ways to access things, not just to unlock their families for the things of God, but to actually unlock cities, regions, and nations for the purposes of God. There's an answer for the harvest in Raleigh. There's an answer for this whole church to be filled. With unbelievers. There's an answer for AIDS. 
There's an answer for cancer if someone would position themselves properly to receive it. That's why we got to so focus on being delivered of smallness, of strife, of discord. The son doesn't even know the hour that the father's returning, right? I think that's true. Well, I know it's true, but I think part of the reason it's true is because if the son knew we have the mind of Christ, someone on earth could have access to it. And that wouldn't be good. We've already had too many books on that subject. But I want to submit to you something else that in Jesus' discipling of his disciples, he never told them to take a class about end times. I didn't say it's unimportant. He just never focused on that in training them. His focus was on doing the work that he did while he was on the earth, and then they would hasten his return. He also said one key thing I'm convinced about because it's in the Bible, Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom. He didn't say this gospel of salvation. He says this gospel of the kingdom will be preached and then the end will come. I don't fully suggest to claim to know everything that's going to happen in the end times, but one thing I'm convinced that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. And there's a representation of the kingdom of God that has yet to come to earth that God jealously desires. I find when there's an obsession with the end times, it's because most people are not busy doing what God asked them to do on the earth. James, what does it profit a man, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? So faith always finds its expression in practical reality. I've learned that you can't be a proper disciple unless you're continually practicing truth. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's not just an intellectual comprehension. It is an intimate knowledge of the truth that as you practice it, it doesn't go beyond the biblical principle, but how many understand this to be true? You know, maybe you, maybe you never gave a word to someone or never really heard the voice of God, and suddenly you hear the voice of God, and you start obeying it, and then you understand, oh, he speaks to me this way, or he speaks to me when I paint, or he speaks to me when I drive down the car and you begin to understand as you practice truth the the truth that my sheep hear my voice because truth has to be practiced here's another thing i've learned about discipleship i i i i've done it for many years i'm just in a different season right now i'm not against reading the bible every year but i have found that uh When God is trying to teach me about something, I don't change the subject. And part of the problem, not problem, I would say it's a good problem. It's a good challenge. There is so much great stuff out there. Like, you can be like a prophet in three days. 
Not prophet. God can only make. I know, I know some people want to be. But um, you know what I've noticed? I never wanted a ministry, but I surrendered to Jesus and he gave me a ministry. Anyway, but um, there's so much wonderful things out there. And, you know, you go to this training, evangelism training, and then, you know, you're going to be an evangelist. I'm going to be an evangelist. I'm going to be the next right on monkey. Yes. And then, and then you know, uh, three months later, Abner comes with the prophetic school, and you're going to be a prophet. Sort of. And then um, Jewish roots in the church come. So, you, you know, you're a Messianic Jew now. So, uh, you're more Jewish than Jewish people. But... Um, <laughs> That's an interesting thing happening in the body of Christ. But the point being is, I have found, and I'm trying, like I'm very type A, so I've really had to get delivered. Sometimes I spend three weeks on Daniel 3. Because I go, oh, that was so good. Let me read it again tomorrow. And then I'm like, oh, no, you know, Bible reading, daily Bible. And he's like, no, read it again. You're like, what did he say? I don't know, I'm reading it again. <laughs> I know intellectually what it's saying there. But there's something more. So my encouragement to you is don't change the subject when God hasn't changed it. Let him develop your legs, Pastor Chad. Do some squats, buddy. Squats. He's emphasizing squats. Whatever it is he's emphasizing in that season of your life, don't change the subject. One of the marks of a mature disciple is that they are self-governing. The greatest accountability is when people are self-governing. What do I mean by that? It's great. I have great people in my life who just... Uh, submitted the word that God gave me to my board directors. Hey, take, take a look at this. What do you think about this? But you will find that when you are self-governing, that's when accountability really works. Nobody knows when I go home and do it, and I live by myself. But with God's help, I fear the Lord. And he's the only one watching me in my house. So one day, I want to live with the conviction that everything I do, he told me that years ago, live like your life is being recorded, because it is. Examine yourself, 2 Corinthians 13.5, this is the apostolic command. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know that yourself that Christ Jesus is in you unless you are disqualified? It's interesting because he's speaking to believers, so he's actually saying that a believer can disqualify them. I'm not, you know, I'm not really interested. I want to say, go and say, like, that's a really dumb question. If you're saved, why don't you be saved? You know you're not at a good place if you're asking yourself, can I do that and God be okay with it? Why don't you just don't do it then? 
There's lots of things in my personal relationship that I don't do in the context of relationship because I know it would bother the other person. It's not sin. They just wouldn't like me doing that in front of them. If I have to ask the question, I just don't do it. It's quiet in the sacred city. This is a season of pioneering in the body of Christ as it's never before. Did I not say to you, I'd build my church and the gates of hell would not prevail? This will be a season in which apostolic structures emerge in the earth as never before, and new wineskins emerge that will emerge that will 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 carry that, that they will carry into eternity. I heard this so clearly. Build for eternity. Build for eternity. Build for eternity. For many of my purposes I've had for previous generations were not built because my people looked earthbound and thought this will be sufficient or it's not possible to do it that way. But yet in this season of pioneering the earth, I want my people, especially my leaders, to be marked with eternity. When you're marked with eternity, you can build for eternity from one generation to the next so that the purposes of God could be fulfilled. I, 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 I really believe this. I believe some of the things that God has revealed to me will not, I'll not see them in my lifetime. I believe, even when I stand up here tonight, I'm standing up here not based on any choices I made, but the choices my parents made and the choices my grandfather made. They put me in a position to receive an inheritance. Now it's up to me to see what I'm going to do with it. Years ago, uh, as I was preparing for a conference, the Lord said to me, I have no other plan except that what I'm going to do through the church. There's only one church. There's not a black church. There's not a Jewish church. There's one church. And the church, well, let's go back to Trump. The church is like President Trump. Really dysfunctional, in need of lots of deliverance, but God's choice for this nation. Sometimes like a child, and God would like us to grow up. Sometimes he can't help himself with his Tweety Birds. I love him. Pray for him every day, just like I prayed for President Obama. Sometimes, you know, it's easy to talk about everything wrong with the church. But God is going, huh, I got to get this right because I don't have any other plan. So let me help them. And he is working through the ages to deliver us of all ignorance so that we would be the people that he's created to be. A church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. That's the one he's coming for. Pioneering is one that goes before and removes obstruction or prepares the way for another. Words from heaven are the beginning place for the birthing which God desires to release. It's interesting. The Lord brought me to this here. The book of Deuteronomy. God instructs half the Israelites to stand on Mount Gerizim and declare the blessings and the other to sound on Mount Ebal. Why is he doing that? Because he wanted to make it really clear who the God who is who, the God who blesses 
and what happens if you disobey. He's not the God who curses. He wanted to make it really, 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 really clear. This is blessing. That's what I do. Cursing, that's what happens when you walk in disobedience. Why? Because disobedience was outside the covenant. So when you disobey, you're cursed already because that whole world system is cursed. Why are you cursed with the curse when, when you rob God of your tithes and offerings? Because you're not participating in God's system, and so this world system is cursed, so everything you're touching is touched by that world, it's stained by that world system. It's not God who's cursed, you're just cursed because the world system is cursed. This is what he says, Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 19. See, I have set before you life and prosperity. Death and adversity. God is, is absolutely consumed with life. He never intended the gospel of the kingdom to be articulated as God can get you out of hell. He wanted it to be this is life that they may display, that you may, you, you may, you may display the works before men. Oh, look at them. They got a whole mind. Oh, their husband just left them, and they're not losing their mind. Oh, and everybody at, their, everybody at their factory lost their job, and they're getting an advancement. Oh, they look so smart, and they've not even ever been to NC State. <laughs> what do you got? Uh, I, uh, uh, pastor Jonathan was there. The, the pastor, there's a pastor from South Africa, his, he was telling the story of his son-in-law. His daughter started dating this guy who was an unbeliever. He started coming to church, and he watched him. He said for seven weeks. After seven weeks, he went up to him after one of the services. He says, I want what you have. Life. He's consumed with life. He's absolutely consumed with life, blessing, wholeness in mind, wholeness in body, so that what you have, you can give away to other people. Because what I've learned is the world is not interested in a religious subculture. They want to see, is it real? Is it practical? Can I get my kids off drugs? Can it get me out of debt? What, can, what, you know, what does this look like? What does life in God look like? Doesn't mean there's not surrender. Doesn't mean it's not open. None of that stuff. But in surrenders where you find life because you weren't created to take care of yourself. That's so many people's problem. They want to take care of themselves. They think they can do better than God. That's really dumb. And that I command you to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, that the Lord God may bless you in the land you're entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but are drawn and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you this day that sh you shall surely perish. What's really interesting is he, we know that Adam, he tells me you're going to die if you eat from that, but he's still on the earth. That's what it's like to not be in the kingdom of God. You're walking around, but you're dead. You're devoid of life. You're devoid of the reason you came to earth. 
That's why you're looking for it in all sorts of other things. I declare to you, you shall surely perish. You shall not. You have to keep that in mind. Every time you choose your own way, you are choosing death. Not because God wants to like zap you. It's just, that's just, you get to choose. First, first, verse 15, I have set before you life and prosperity. It's in your hands. It's not in God's hands. You get to choose the life you live. I call heaven and earth to witness against you that I've set before you, this is verse 19, life and death, blessing and the curse. He can't curse you. He doesn't have any cursing in him. But you're cursed as soon as you step out of his ways. Good news is, if you miss a step, just go, God, please forgive me. Turn right back. You keep on tracking on. Don't, you don't have to spend like eight days asking God to, you know, forgive you. Now, if you're really struggling with something, like I've seen that. You know, people struggle with stuff. And it's just the person next to you, they just look perfect. They're struggling right now because I'm going so long. <laughs> we have to get delivered of all, I'm good, I'm fine. Your whole family's messed up because of you, but you're fine. And you praise the Lord, you know, you praise the Lord. And your kids are confused because they see how messed up you are, but you're saying praise the Lord. You're struggling with something. I know people genuinely want to get free. Find somebody, not trust me. Not everybody. Not everybody can be trusted. They may need just as much help as you. Don't trust them. <laughs> be discerning about that one, you know. It's true. Get to the root of that. Knock it out. There's nothing you can't be delivered of. Addiction, drugs, food, spending, gambling, whatever it is. And they're all, you know what, they're all just signs of you're trying to fill your affections with what only God can give you. That's all it is. Just, I remember years ago, this lady came to me, you don't know, I, you know I, I knew it was wrong and I did it anyway. I said, yes, it's sin. Sin, yes, exactly. But I have good news for you. He came to set you free of all your sins. Came to say, you know, I love it that, that he's the author and finisher of your faith. Because he went to the end and then started your life. So all your mistakes are in his past. And you get to cash in your forgiveness as soon as he said, please forgive me. He's used to dealing with people who routinely mess up. He really is. And anything you're struggling with, he can help you with. Yeah, he, he, this, this is for about three people in this room. 
you can't get rid of it if you just keep it alone. That's shame, guilt, religious stuff. The church has to come out of the closet. Seriously. All praising the Lord, bound up. It's true. Get to that thing. Get yourself delivered. You know, early church, baptism of the Holy Spirit, tongues, baptism of water, and deliverance from demons. Augustine said they wouldn't let you be ordained unless you got two rounds of deliverance. It's true. Why? They wanted to make sure all the creepy crawlers were out of your house. Now we invent doctrines in America. You know, you're good. And that's a demon talking to keep people bound. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak the things as my Father taught me. God thinks multi-generational. When He he speaks to Moses in a burning bush, Exodus 3, He said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And eventually, he would become the God of Moses. I always ask myself, is my life better? Is, 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 is because of my life, are my friends better? Are the people around me better? Am I making choices today that the next generation is going to live in benefit of it? God is not American. So I says, a righteous man obviously means money, but it's way, way, way more than that. A righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. What's he saying? He's saying a man or a woman who makes godly choices, the the two generations after them will be directly affected for the choices they make. That's why there's a great cloud of witnesses. Because they prophesied things that they would not live to see. And I believe at certain points, God goes, hey, that thing you prophesied in 1901 when you were just in that prayer group and I just asked you to be faithful in that group, look, it's happening right now in that big stadium. You saw it in the spirit and you birthed it. And look at that, look at that fool. He thinks he's in charge of it. (laughs) You birthed it though. I don't like you people, yeah, I do joke with it. I'm here because my mom prayed and she knew how to pray. Lord Jesus, did she know how to pray? It's tough to sin when your mom prays like that. It really is. I'm afraid of Jesus first and then my mom. She's got a judgment sandal still. I birthed you. I don't care how old you are. She doesn't play. David said he would make these statements. He said, we will build a temple for the Lord. He knows he's not going to be around to see it. But he catches something eternal. 
we will build the temple for the Lord. Because his greatest desire was his son to step into something that he was building on the earth. Eternal purpose, that's what it means. It means we, 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 it's just another thing, I'll just share my heart a little bit. I don't think God is very interested in a lot of the things he tells me to do. I think they're just byproducts of me walking with him. I get just more and more last year that's just become very apparent. Like, your office never precedes your personhood. You never hear Apostle Paul, Paul, an apostle of the Lord. You never hear Prophet Nathan, Nathan the prophet. Why? Because he's more interested in who you are than what you do. So you go, I, gotta, I, I just think we're on this eternal journey. Let's walk in heaven now, a little bit now, and then you'll inherit the whole thing. But let's walk, you and I. You don't realize how dysfunctional you are, but I'm going to help you. It's true. We're all, you, you have to live with this deep conviction of your need for God. I think, well, I need God to do this. You need God for everything. That's the life of faith. It's the greatest principle of faith. I need God to wake up in the morning. Sometimes, even last night, last night, Lord, I just thank you that I have life. It, it's just that attitude of thankfulness. Just, ah, you're just thankful to be alive. Man, where would I, where would I be? Seriously. Where would I be? And just, you're just on this journey with the Lord. This eternal journey, and he, he, he works through. Oh, I'm going to teach you my voice 23 years ago. Oh, good. No, what about ministry? I don't care about ministry. I, I'm going to work. I want you to be my friend. All right, let's do that. Lord, this is really hard. I know. I never promised you easy. But I'll help you. You're not thinking too bright here. So let me help you with this. Take a step ahead here. Out here. And he just focused on here. And then when in here is right, outside starts becoming right. And then when you, you're type A, you're going, I'm going over there. He goes, let's go over here. <laughs> going over there, though. Lord, Lord, going over there. No, 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 let's go over here. You go over here, go over there, go over there, go over there, go over there. You're like, but what about the prophetic word? I know, let's go over there. But you said, I know, you, 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 you think you're smart now, but you just need a spanking. <laughs> you said, yeah, I'm going to tell you to go over there. That's what I'm saying right now. And eventually you get over there and you're like, this is wonderful, but I don't even care about it anymore. <laughs> Just care about pleasing you. And every time 
you get a little off, you realize some of your affections are not anchored in the other world. You feel that pull. Oh, that's important. This is important. And then you realize what the real pull needs to be. There is a promised land for the people of God. There is a place in God, the Lord says for his people, a place where they find their deepest needs met inside of him, a place where their hearts long and long and long for his presence, where even the greatest encounter does not satisfy the longing of their hearts. And the Lord says this will be the generation that, bri- that bridges heaven and earth as never before. And there's a door opening for my people, says the Lord. A door of encounter after encounter after encounter. The Lord says that this is the year of divine encounter for the people of God. In the year 2020, my people will see the Lord high and lifted up. And the train of his robe will fill the temple. And the lightnings of God will come, says the Lord. They'll come on the west coast. They'll come on the east coast. They'll come into Raleigh. They'll come into your homes. They'll come upon your children. They will come in places, in places where people have initiated an invitation. But not just an invitation. They have knocked on the door of the heart of Jesus. And there is a wind and a fire I am giving to my people. Because I want to teach them my ways as never before. I want to make my people a people of my spirit. I want, them, I want to make them a people of my voice as never before. My sheep will hear my voice. And those who seek to do my will will know that my doctrine is from God. They will know that my doctrine is from God. And there is a clear, there is a clear voice being released in the earth. It's divine direction. It's divine orders. For the captain of the Lord of hosts is releasing divine orders in this season. I see keys in the spirit. Keys to break through. Keys for deliverance. Keys to open your ears to hear. Keys, says the Lord, for financial breakthrough. Keys to grow in a lifestyle of worship. The Lord says for many of you, the time between 6 and 8 a.m. is key in this next season. 6 and 8 a.m., the doors of heaven will be open for you in a unique way. For others, it will be 8 to 10. For others, it will be 9 and 11 in the evening. But the Lord says there will be distinct times where I will visit my people as they intentionally turn towards me. And the Lord says that this will be a season of clear direction. Clear direction to go and inherit land we have not taken. For there are pioneers in this room. And you've heard the cry from heaven to go and to do what's never before been done. And the Lord says grace is being given to step into that place of pioneering. Pioneering breakthrough spirit 
is my people's portion in this season. Do not be governed by what you see. Do not even be governed by the outside circumstances. But take great delight in the word of the Lord. Eat the word of the Lord. Enjoy the word of the Lord. Consume yourself with the word of the Lord. Consume yourself with the word of the Lord. And as you do, begin to declare. And begin to declare and speak to your mountain. And you will see a path come before you. And I will call you to come out of the boat. To walk in the place that I have ordained you. For many of you, you've been knocking on the door of my heart. And this will be a season of divine manifestation in the purposes of the Lord. There's a rain falling here. I just encourage you to just lift your hands. And the rain is falling and is delivering many of you of religious ideas, wrong ideas about yourself, wrong ideas about what was possible, wrong ideas about what you could do. The Lord is delivering someone of a rape from many years ago. The Lord is delivering someone of a divorce from many years ago. The Lord is delivering somebody of a poor relationship. The Lord is delivering somebody of a a mistake sexually made many years ago. The Lord is delivering somebody of betrayal. Now, be healed. Ooh, shamahaya. Somebody here, your brain does not function properly, and Jesus is healing your brain right now. Somebody here, your father spoke to you very harshly, and the Lord is delivering of you. It's caused you trauma. Even when you raise your hands in the house of the Lord, you, you have loved God and you've walked with him and you've obeyed him, but it just feels like there's this barrier. And goes now in Jesus' name. Be set free. There's like a lasso that's tried to stop the purposes of God for Cornerstone. And the Lord says it's only prayer, declaration, and worship that will break that lasso and cause freedom and the lightnings of God to come. The Lord says, I have created this place to be a multiracial house and a lighthouse for the nations, ascending house to nations for the purposes of God, apostolic teams, prophetic teams, a house of worshipers, a house of the song of the Lord. A house of outpouring, a house of prayer, an apostolic house, a house that builds for generations, a house for families, a house where families get restored. And the Lord says, Hama shohoyo, mosohoyo, Hama mamoshokomoyo. Bring the prophets, bring the musicians, hear the word of the Lord. 
And that lasso will begin to break in this season. Words. People say, well, this is the way it's got to be. We've never done this before. Father, in the name of Jesus, let every false word be broken. And let freedom come to this house as never before so that it would fulfill every eternal purpose you have for it. Thank you, Lord. I believe somebody's right ear is being healed. Just kind of see the hand of Jesus on somebody's right ear. Thank you, Lord. See Jesus just putting his hands on our hearts tonight and just marking them for intimacy with his love, with his kindness. In the spirit, some of you are leaving as that rain has come. You're leaving with new garments tonight. I see Jesus touching some of your ears so that you would know that you're loved, know that you're beloved, I heard in somebody's mind, you just say, well, I know he loves me, and I just don't feel like I do good enough. And I break the power of performance spirit in Jesus' name. I break you free from that yoke. That is a nasty yoke. There's about three. Go! In Jesus' name. Just saw it carrying you down. And I just declare by the authority God has given me, your times of fellowship and intimacy will explode from this day forward as that yoke is gone. There's about eight of you, you've forsaken praying in the spirit. That's one of the keys that God wants to give you. The Lord says there's, there's mysteries and there's wisdom and understanding that would come as you pray in the Spirit. So I mandate you to pray in the Spirit as never before. The Lord says, my desire is that the lightnings of God and the rain of God would come to Cornerstone Church as never before. I see like this picture of like the glory of the Lord, like, a, like literally the cloud, whoa, the cloud of glory. I just see this auditorium from the back to the front, people just on their knees and their faces and deliverance happening, visions happening, freedom happening, people's ears being opened to hear the voice of the Lord. Homo shorobokoyo mosokoboyo.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Tonight, I don't want to say much more. I felt from the Lord that we were supposed to do two nights. And um, so that was part one. And um, I believe my assignment's done tonight. Uh, before I sit down, we're going to receive an offering. Just have two scriptures for you. Matthew 6, 24. Genesis chapter 8. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. And uh, actually, let me just read it for you. I've been meditating on this verse here. This is Jesus, Matthew, the sixth chapter. No one can serve two masters. He, he will hate the one and love the other. It's very interesting that Jesus' language when he spoke on the earth was always very plain. He will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God, literally money. And one of the things I've learned is uh, as God teaches you about his system of finances in the earth. It's like a brilliant system, right? Because what, 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 it doesn't matter, I've learned. You can be very wealthy or you can be very poor, but God, the money can still be your God. It doesn't matter how much you have in your bank account. But when we come out of this world system, one of the things that we, 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 we've learned to think a certain way, we got this, you know, I got this amount and this much is coming in, I got this bill and that bill and this, that. And so what we don't realize is that we've actually been taught to serve money. I'm not talking about be, not being a good steward, but I'm talking we actually serve money when we're in this world system. You want to know how we know we serve money? I know believers who hate their job, but they show up early. Why? Because they need that paycheck. They're not serving their purpose, they're serving money. So in this system that God set up, it's a beautiful thing, he uses our seed, or giving, offering, don't give your tithe tonight, that goes to your local church. Tithe is 10%. But in offering, he uses it to help deliver you 
of that tie of your affections towards money. But then he uses your seed to advance your future and to secure your future economically. Because as long as the earth remains, seed time, harvest time. So I just do what I always do. I always ask, ask the Lord what you're supposed to give tonight. I believe, I believe in the God in you. And the beautiful thing is, if everyone does what the Lord tells them to do, his team will be blessed, you'll be blessed. It's a really good thing. Because you give it to your high priest, Jesus. And I, I, I was thinking about that when I was saying that a little bit ago. Anytime you feel like, oh, that's a lot of money. You know, it gets really fun when you start asking God what to give. Ooh, I, I want to be a giver. Let me help you. <laughs> I didn't think that much. That's like half my, I know. I know. I want to show you how much you're tied to the affections of that check. Because really, I've learned you'll never trust in God with your life if you're not trusting him with the money. And a big part of that is Genesis 2, where nothing grows unless he puts man in it. Part of tithing is, can you be a good steward of what he puts in your hand? And God is going to help the people of God get delivered of a love of money and all this world's resources. So I'll, I'll bring you up to do the, the details. I don't know how the details of how that's going to be done. Yeah. Thank you very much. Nine o'clock tomorrow, bring a friend.